0: Hello and welcome to QPod, QIC's Investor Insights podcast series. I'm Craig Valenzuela, Managing Director for Global Business Development. And each Friday, we invite our listeners to take 10 and get the latest economic update from our in house economics team. And good morning to our Chief Economist, Dr. Matthew Peter. Yet another week full of twists and turns, Matthew, in the Australian economic landscape.
1: Yeah, certainly the case, Craig. Good morning.
0: Let's get into it. Last night, Treasury forecast the Victorian crisis would now drive unemployment into double digits and wipe up to as much as $12 or 2.5% of our GDP in the three months to the end of September. This comes as we learn the sobering news of the latest numbers for COVID in Australia. 483 new cases contributing to the 7,972 active cases, with a whopping 7,671 of those in Victoria alone. And of course, we're now at 255 deaths. Last night's announcement followed a busy couple of days for Governor Philip Lowe and his RBA team over at Martin Place. Fresh into new lockdown measures across the eastern states, on Tuesday, the governor held firm on an official interest rate at 0.25% and announced its intentions to buy three-year government bonds to maintain that yield at its target rate. It also announced a slight downgrade of its economic forecast, expecting growth in 2021 to rebound by 5% rather than 6% and for the unemployment rate to fall from a peak of 10% to 7% rather than the 6% forecast earlier. Matthew, can we start with your perspective here, please? Well, yes, Craig. Despite
1: the deterioration in the outlook uh, due to the second wave of infection hitting Victoria at the moment, you're right, the RBA did not change its policy setting. It did announce, as you said, it would be buying more government bonds, but this is to be expected as the yield... On the three-year government, bond had drifted higher to 28.5 basis points, so a little bit above its uh, its target of 25 basis points. So they uh, were intervening really to get the uh, three-year yield back to its target. In fact, on the announcement that they were doing that, the uh, yield immediately fell back 25 basis points. Now, Governor Lowe's um, announcement of the changes to the RBA uh, economic forecast, as you mentioned, that they're quite interesting, actually. Like Prior to the second wave uh, outbreak in Victoria, the RBA had been forecasting a 6% fall in Australian GDP in 2020, followed by, as you said, uh, a 6% rebound in 2021. Now, the RBA's forecast of a 6% fall in 2020 was actually significantly lower than the consensus view of uh, economic forecasters, which was for a uh, 3.5% fall in uh, GDP for 2020. And in fact, it was anticipated, this is prior to uh, Victoria erupting, that the RBA would need to raise its forecast for 2020. However, with Victoria um, developing the way in which it has, uh, it looks like the uh, bank has decided to keep its forecast of minus 6% for 2020 and rather lower the extent of its rebound in 2021 from 6% to 5%. I think the RBA remains overly pessimistic uh, around the outlook for 2020 and our forecasts, even with the developments in Victoria, are for growth to fall by between 4 and 4.5% in 2020. This, I think, will be in line, that is our view, in line with most other forecasters' revisions. However, we don't think that the rebound in 2021 will be as strong as the RBA is expecting. Our view is the rebound will be closer to 3% rather than 5%.
0: Thanks, Matthew. I want to stay with the RBA uh, here because uh, we've had some economists uh, during the week sort of suggest that the RBA is being over the optimistic in their muted policy response. So I want to sort of quiz you on this. Yesterday, we had the Treasury reveal Victoria's lockdown was shrink the national economy by, by between 10 to $12 billion. They also said the effective unemployment rate will rise between 250,000 and 400,000 workers. So given all of this, were you surprised the RBA wasn't more aggressive, especially after last night's announcement from the Federal Cabinet's Expenditure Review Committee, that the cost of the JobKeeper wage subsidy will increase by more than $15 billion due to the evolving situation in Victoria? What's your view there, Matthew?
1: Well, Craig, at the moment, the RBA's view is that there's ample liquidity in the economy and financial conditions are extremely supportive, with interest rates close to zero and with the exchange rate neither over nor undervalued. Of course, this could change if economic conditions deteriorate further, but the problem the RBA faces is that it's running out of firepower as interest rates are approaching zero. Governor Lowe has signalled that they would lower the cash rate to around zero from its current level of 25 basis points if things got worse, but that's you know, relatively small shift down and unlikely to really make significant impact. They could also begin targeting yields further out the uh, sovereign bond curve. Um, the Australian 10-year yield, for example, is currently trading around 85 basis points, so there is scope uh, to lower longer dated interest rates so they could extend their yield curve targeting beyond the three year level, uh, three year maturity targeting uh, uh, further out along the yield curve. A problem here though is that most debt in the Australian economy is of a much shorter duration, uh, hence the RBA is targeting the three year yield. Although lower rates out along the curve could be expected to put some downward pressure on the currency, so that's an option. The RBA could extend its term funding facility. These are the funds that the RBA has made available to commercial banks to lend to businesses at a concessional interest rate of 25 basis points. However, to date, only $29 billion of uh, of a total of $150 billion available in the fund has been taken up by business. Um, RBA Governor Lowe has ruled out a number of unconventional policies that are potentially at the bank's disposal, one is shifting to a negative cash rate, which the RBA considers could jeopardise financial stability by impairing the credit creation process in the commercial banking sector. Another is direct intervention in currency markets to manipulate, manipulate the Australian dollar lower. The banks rejected this course of uh, action, except in situations of the sustained overvaluation of the currency, which, as I said, currently doesn't believe exists. The other thing that it could do, which is far more controversial, is it could finance fiscal policy, so-called modern monetary theory. While Governor Lowe uh, has not entirely ruled out this possibility, he has wrapped any prospect of its adoption in many caveats. One situation the RBA would consider is where the ability of the government to provide needed fiscal stimulus is thwarted by its inability to raise necessary debt in markets at other than punitive interest rates. However, at the moment, with interest rates below 1% out to 10 years, the RBA sees no constraints on uh, government borrowing in the market. On this point, my view is that the RBA's current policy of yield curve targeting will, in fact, finance government's uh, fiscal stimulus in the event that uh, increased government debt issuance starts to place upward pressure on interest rates. Clearly, with yields targeted, the RBA will step in to absorb government debt issuance if the market's demand for government debt
0: falls short and interest rates start to rise. Thanks, Matthew. And over the last few weeks, we've been focusing our attention on the leakages from fiscal policy, such as income support programs and tax cuts from spendings to savings. Do you see any leakage in our monetary policy responses? And can the RBA support a more targeted approach for our infrastructure led recovery, as you've been calling for for some time?
1: Well, um, in the same way that the government can't make businesses and households spend all the money they receive from income support payments and tax cuts, The RBA can't make investors spend all the money they receive when the RBA buys their bonds. Uh, Similarly, the RBA can't make businesses invest more by lowering interest rates, uh, nor can uh, they make businesses borrow from their term funding facility. Um, At the end of the day, Craig, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. The problem is that there is more leakage from monetary policy than there is from fiscal policy, once interest rates get close to zero at least. As we've discussed, that's where, you know, that's what makes infrastructure spending such a potent source of fiscal stimulus. Every dollar spent by government on an infrastructure build translates to a dollar spent in the economy. And if done correctly, meaning you avoid the Japanese Bridges to Nowhere and the GFC Pink Bats debacle, infrastructure assets deliver productivity gains to the economy and expand the nation's capacity. Governor Lowe has long been a proponent of infrastructure spending as a fiscal instrument of choice, so let's see how things develop from
0: here. Thanks again for your time and perspective, Matthew, and what's been a really significant week of economic news and, of course, more to come with tonight's planned announcements. With the second wave really testing our communities and policymakers, it seems inevitable that less conventional monetary policies such as MMT will be considered. And of course, as you've been calling for for some time, Matthew, one of the most efficient fiscal responses that is in front of our policymakers currently and now seemingly supported by the RBA in targeted infrastructure spending. And with the second wave bringing such a rapid and significant change when compared to the first wave, I know your team are re-prosecuting some of the modelling and also preparing for, dare I say it, a potential outcome of any third wave. So I really look forward to hearing the outcome of your research when we meet next week. Thank you for listening to us on QPod today. Please watch out for Monday's Market Moments podcast and have a super weekend ahead.